0: Again, and welcome to Animation Celery. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. Let's get dangerous. I'm Matsy. I'm the other guy, Micah. So on Animation Celery, we review and discuss cartoons. And this time, we're following up on a question from at Edion64. It goes something like I was too busy watching SWAT cats. Speaking of i like to know what you think about it. Well, mm. yeah, here you go, Edion. We're going to talk about SWAT cats. We're going to look at the first episode of the series, plus the top three episodes as rated by the site episode Ninja. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. But before we get to fun, let's start with dull stuff. So, Matzy, you started a new job, right? Yeah, I did. Uh,
1: It's interesting because it's... My previous job was like super easy physically, but really hard on me mentally. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I would just wake up hours before I had to go to work, just kind of panicking and thinking about what I was going to do and trying not to and blah. This job is all physical and it requires almost no brain work at all. So I get home and also it's different jobs that I don't necessarily know what I'm going to be doing. Mm. So it's kind of impossible for me to think about. So I come home, my legs hurt, I've got bruises all over my arms, my hand is messed up, like I don't know if it's the tendons or something, but I'm Mm. I'm like, I've got my hand wrapped around a hot water bottle right now, but I don't have to think about it at all. Mm. My brain is perfectly clear. And that's fun.
0: That's Um, that's good, yeah. And you're going to get sick gains from it. I am, yes. It pays more than my previous job did. No, no, I mean, I mean, sick gains, Oh, yeah, my,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. My muscles. Yeah, I'm going to be um,
0: hauling around th- these 50-pound bags of coconut sugar. I'm going to get pretty swole. Yeah, you listeners can't see it, but I'm, like, crushed into the corner of the podcast. <laughs> There's barely enough room for me against his sick gains. Gains, yeah. So... I'm still getting I've only been there two weeks and it's
1: four day weeks. It's it's 10 hour days, but four day weeks. So Mm. Um, also next week is my stat holiday, which means it's a three day week and then four days off. Oh, neat. Crazy. Yeah. So I'm enjoying that. Um, But other than my job. Yeah, I did sneak in one cartoon. Oh, yes. Yeah. I watched some of. Samurai Rabbit, The Usagi Chronicles. Neat. Have you seen that? I have not yet. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's good or not. Oh. But I like it. It has enough superficial... So, okay, a little background here. We talked about this before, but mm-hmm. uh, just to catch y'all up, um, there is a comic book that's been running for decades <laughs> called Usagi Yojimbo, which is about a uh, rabbit. It's an it's a funny animal, anthropomorphic furry uh, version of, I believe, the Edo period of Japan, which is feudal Japan, samurai and shogun and ninja and that kind of thing. Mm. And it's about a ronin rabbit named usagi Yojimbo. well no he's not named usagi yojima miyamoto, what are doing yeah. that's the that's the friggin mistake everybody makes no it's miyamoto yeah. usagi it's zelda that's his name yeah 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 <laughs> um comic book is by stan sakai mm. and it's crossed over into some other things or whatever and this show this is a netflix original computer animated series which is loosely based on it i shouldn't mm. say loosely it's it is set a thousand years after the events of Usagi Yojimbo. Whoa. Yeah. Um, it features Yu- Yuichi Usagi, I believe his name is. Okay. Who is a descendant of Miyamoto Usagi, and he he lives in the country, but. In early in the first episode, he decides that he wants to be a samurai, like his great ancestor, Miyamoto Usagi, and so he goes to New Edo City
0: okay, okay so it's so a, it's it's not our world analog then it's I mean it's a little different
1: it's it's kind of like a futuristic version of Japan. um like there are uh construction robotos. And flying, like there are vehicles that hover, you know, airships and things like that and neon lights and everything in the city is powered by the keystone. And that's key as in K-I. Yeah, I guess if it's a Um,
0: thousand years in the future, then it's the future future. (laughs) It's like 2,500 or something like that. It's not, it's not
1: super, it's not super duper futuristic. I mean, if uh. you think about the timing, it's probably... It would probably be something like 2,700, 2,800, right, right. depending on when you consider. But um, it's not super futuristic. You know, they're not mm. like going to space or, whatever, or at least they haven't yet. Um, but it is like it's recognizably Japanese. OK. Um, So I was instantly <laughs> sold in the title sequence. OK. Because the title sequence introduces the characters. So there's Usagi, like, all right, cool. Yep, I expect him. And Gen, the rhino bounty hunter. Oh, he had a descendant. or it's was like, cool oh, right. his... Yeah. And a fox street performer slash thief named Kitsune.
0: And I was like, yeah. Does she have a spinning top or is she or he have a spinning top? She has fans. Oh.
1: And at the beginning, she her living is that she runs a puppet show. Right. Um and I I was expecting that the puppet she has like this skeleton puppet and I was expecting that that was going to be her primary weapon.
0: Right. But then she loses it almost immediately. Huh. Um, I, th- I think the comic one was a spinning top uh, expert. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes, yes. Uh Kitsune in the um in the comic is a like you said, she's a just like that, she's a street performer. Um uh con artist. Right. And yeah, her weapon of choice is the spinning tops. Well, this kitsune uses fans, metal fans. Okay. And then the fourth character that it was introduced was Chizu. Hmm. Which made me go Right. That's not girlfriend, because that would be a rabbit, and this is a cat. And no, it's, no. Not Timo- it's not Tomo this is not yeah. because yeah. Tomoeyame is Named Tomoe Ame. Mm. So I went to Google and looked around and went, oh, right. The leader of the Nako Ninja clan. Right. Her. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, and spot the no, the t- t- Yeah, little dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. Little dinosaur. Uh, Usagi's little dinosaur pet. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the idea is that through um, some convolutions early in the first two episodes, the The team they they all form a team, hesitantly, mm. and there's there's a couple of things at work here. First of all, Miyamoto Usagi is hated because oh. he betrayed the shogun. Hmm. He's the greatest traitor in history. Okay, like okay. Also, um, <laughs> in in Yuichi Usagi's estimation. Uh, Miyamoto Usagi was best known for fighting yokai, which are spirits.
0: I think he did that a few times.
1: Yeah, he did a few times. That's not... He's not like the feudal Japanese Ghostbuster, but... No. So... There's very
0: little supernatural stuff in there.
1: Yeah. Well, this is... The whole deal with this is that through things that happen in the first episode, Mm. yokai... It turns out that the keystone that powers the whole city is... The containment unit where all the dispatched yokai were trapped.
0: Oh, so this one and, is a Ghostbuster.
1: And they're freed. So, yeah. yeah, so Miyamoto or or Yuichi Usagi, Kitsune, Gen, and Chizu and Spot have to round up the various yokai that have broken free. Hmm. And to help with this, uh, uh, Yuichi has, I'll just call him Usagi, he okay. has a samurai sword. He has a katana, which has mm. been handed down through... I think it's like... It's not... I think it's like wing edge is the name of it. Okay. I was sort of expecting it would be willow branch, which was Miyamoto Usagi's sword. But no, mm. it's not that. Um, but it has a gem on it. Um, and it's been passed through the family for generations. And so he mm. has this sword. But also, he as the keystone's chosen yokai hunter, he gets a other weapon which he gets to pick and just impulsively like hey is that a yo-yo he grabs a yo-yo and so now he has a magic yo-yo for his other weapon huh okay and yeah so i'm like five episodes in Mm. and i won't give any spoilers but there (laughs) there was one moment that actually had me howl out loud like yeah okay so that was cool um I have a lot of affection for Usagi Yojimbo. Sure. And so just, you know, it's, I think Usagi Yojimbo is pretty dramatic and story-driven and a little slow. And I don't know how well it would translate into a cartoon for kids. Hmm. So, so in that respect, I don't begrudge them giving it a new setting. Um, and you know, it has the callbacks and like, I know what Kitsune is like, by the way, Kitsune? Yeah. Yeah voiced by shelby rabara mm-hmm. who is best known as peridot in steven universe sweet cracking voice yeah. love the Kraken yeah. voice yeah yeah yep 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 it's a good one um and so yeah i'm just i'm i'm along for the ride it's got enough callbacks to i shouldn't say callbacks i'm looking for more callbacks than there are
0: right and i'm like oh where's
1: the blind pig with a fake nose <laughs> yeah yeah
0: um Maybe but, best, best to do its own thing. I mean, it's already <laughs> got maybe too many, <laughs> too many echoes, right? Already. Uh, a,
1: a little bit. Yeah. But also there's other, there are other characters like the Shogun. I can't remember his name, but it's not a Shogun name that I recognize from Usagi Ojimbo. Um There's a character named Lady Fuwa. Um, so mm. it seems like it's just those kind of those three. But there's fun stuff like um, in the first episode, Usagi is in the farm with his Auntie, Hmm. and she has, she has like a robotic leg, but also she has one wooden ear that's hinged, so it flops back with the other one. Okay, tied in its little top knot thing. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, (laughs) Yuichi Usagi. If you look carefully, he has like a little notch in his left eyebrow. His scar. I guess because the you do get to see. Most of the time when it flashes back to Usagi, it's like this like animated comic thing. It's not okay. necessarily Stan Sakai. It's all color and everything. Yeah. But it's it's a different, it's a 2D style. But you do get one brief glimpse of a 3D computer rendered Usa- Miyamoto Usagi. Yeah. And he has the scar
0: on his head. His bemused scar.
1: Yeah, if anybody has seen a picture of um, Miyamoto Usagi, it kind of always looks like he has one raised eyebrow, like the rock. Right. That's a scar. Yeah. So I did like that there's just this little little notch in his eyebrow. Like, okay, it's, it's not much, but it's cool.
0: Um, mm-hmm. I guess I have a few thoughts on this. Like, for one, i like to believe it's Walter Peck who shut down the key crystal. You know, from the Environmental Protection Agency. Um. (laughs) Well, I guess you'll have to wait and see. Right. Okay. Um, Also, I kind of wonder if Usagi Ojimbo comics ever were for little kids. I don't think so. I think Mm. they were for like a teen audience.
1: Yeah. I remember the first time I saw an Usagi Ojimbo comic. I I saw the comic after the character had already been introduced in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay. So that was my baseline. And then the comic's like, oh, his name is not Usagi Ojimbo. That's right. what he is. But also, I remember somebody accidentally getting stabbed to death and laying in a pool. Because it's not a very bloody... Usually no. they just, they swipe and then this little skull
0: in a Yeah, I was going to say, that's, that's the first thing I think of when I think of Usagi. I think of a hero killing five guys at once and then one of them clutching his chest with the skull exclamation, Ugh! <laughs> Well, hey, guess what happens when people die in this? Oh, cool.
1: Where was I going? Oh, yeah. So it's not a very bloody, but there was, you know, this one scene where these two characters were fighting and one of them, I think they were fighting over a sword and it got run through one of them. And so she, I think it was a she, was laying in a pool of blood. Well, I think it might have been her brother was sobbing over her corpse. And yeah, that's pretty mature
0: to some extent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, what, what other thoughts do you have? There was a comic. There was, there, there was a, I think it was called Usagi in the future, but I don't remember perfectly. I probably have it actually, but been Hmm. a million years since I read it, but it was, it's like far future. It's like spaceships and the like. Mm, mm. So obviously not based on that, but maybe, maybe there are callbacks to that since it's kind of similar. I was just trying to look it up. And wouldn't you know, looking up Usagi in the future, is all Sailor Moon stuff, but. <laughs> <laughs> right. The one thing, I, the one thing I really kind of bugged me is they reveal the character's name at the end of the story and it mm-hmm. was Tomoe, but she was a rabbit. So I guess she was, she was a rabbit for purposes of symmetry as being mm. Usagi's lover, right? But no, nah, it doesn't work. Yeah.
1: Make her a in cat. In the comment. In the comics, Usagi had a lady that he was kind of affectionate with, but, you know, duty kept him from
0: oh, yeah, getting she, with her. Although she, it's implied she, she, that they had an illegitimate child. She's the vassal of the little panda prince, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I meanwhile,
1: remember... Us... Yeah, go on. Uh, I was. I'm just, you know, filling people in on the Usagi lore. Usagi has a compatriot named... Uh, Tomoe Ame, who is a rare female samurai, um, and they're not lovers, but they're friends. Uh, I think he strikes up some kind of a relationship with the with Chizu, who hmm. is the the leader of the Nako Ninja. Hmm. Oh, something about this show that does kind of annoy me is that they they kind of play fast and loose with the Japanese language a little bit. Okay, like she introduces herself as Kitsune. I'm like, mm, that's not how that word is pronounced. And oh. it's driving me crazy every time they mention the Neko crew. Okay. They're not, cl- they're not clans. They're gangs. Oh, okay. So it's, yeah. It's, it's the Neko crew. That's more the or less right. Is the word is pronounced Neko. Eh.
0: neck,
1: neck. Ne- ne- eh, Neko is kind of. pretty much, yeah, yeah. It's close. Anyway. Um I always think of them as Neko.
0: You know... What always strikes me when I'm watching Naruto, which is all the time, <laughs> seldom, but the voice, the voice actor for Satsuke pronounces everything uh, pronouncedly correct, mm. right? Like, like he's really made the effort. As opposed to Yuichi, some... Yeah.
1: Mm? Yuichi Usagi kind of does that too. He always says the word samurai.
0: Right. <laughs> Maybe too much. <laughs> yeah. It, it's jarring when the rest of what he's saying is English. It's like, I'm going to become a great samurai. Right. Right. It's very weeby of him. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he's the rare Japanese weeb. No, maybe. Yeah. Hmm. So anyway, um, I am going to watch the rest
1: of that. I'm, cool. I'm invested enough. I'm, I'm digging it. I like any, I, li- I like Usagi Yojimbo. And even if this isn't strictly Usagi Yojimbo, it's, it's got the name on it. It's got the comics like it's it starts with uh, Yuichi reading comics like and it's right. just got panels from the comics drawn by Stan Sakai. Stan Sakai is an executive producer, so he is aware that
0: this is happening. Right. So, yeah, I'm on board with it. Well, and it's like I, I say, like it shouldn't if there's an animated adaptation, it shouldn't just be the exact same thing as the comic because you're you already have the comic. Right. Yeah, true. So, yeah, true that said i can think of like some usagio jimbo stuff that would look pretty awesome <laughs> is <laughs> an animated form <laughs> but man yeah true makes me nostalgic
1: Hmm. yeah usagio Jimbo's is pretty great hmm. uh so anyway that's what i did um how would you like to tell us about what you want to
0: tell us about <laughs> okay well uh you recall um last week Wait, I, I mentioned my idea for an animation celery platform fighter right i do recall this yeah it's Ancel slammers so <laughs> um one thing that i uh mentioned I, I gave a character roster basically we we chatted a little about stages and so on and music yeah um yeah one of my cheeky ads was that princess toadstool would be in there and donkey kong except they'd be you know Princess Toadstool from Super Mario's Super uh, Brother Super Show and Donkey Kong from the Donkey Kong <laughs> Country cartoon, right? Uh, um, okay, and really cheeky—they would have the same move set as their Smash Brothers counterparts, except right. you know some different voice clips, and they would look different. You know, and and the Donkey Kong wouldn't be able to shut up, right? He'd be singing about coconut well, cream pies, you know, in the last. Well,
1: when he's when he's doing his. The, his like down be ground pound yeah. thing yeah. banana
0: slammer yeah, yeah 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 um okay okay so i was thinking that at some point on uh this podcast we need to review one of the bobot entertainment sonic the hedgehog cartoons so that we can have an exact mm. copy of Sonic from Smash, <laughs> except it's the Jaleel White Sonic, you know, the... Uh, oh, boy. Don't <laughs> let anybody touch you in a bad place, Sonic, you know. The, <laughs> the chili dog Sonic. <laughs> yeah, the chili dog Sonic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, okay, so further thoughts on this game. Okay, so one of the stages has to be a bots master stage <laughs> with, with actual real... Uh, Was it Pulveric effect? Pulveric Anyway, the uh, Pulveric effect. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Actual Pulveric effect of just like garbage going in the screen, you know, like (laughs) a tree branch, you know, uh, a box, just whatever, right? Going through. (laughs) And as a little secret, you know, sometimes you'll get the talking heads will go through, right?
2: But
0: (laughs) yeah. Oh, boy. And of course, you just get the boss master theme over and over. The dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Um... (laughs) Okay, here's another stage. And, uh-huh. okay, it starts with Mark Anthony being kicked out of the house. And then it's okay. him looking through the window. Mark An- Mark Anthony is the bulldog from uh, Looney Tunes cartoons that is in love with Pussyfoot, the little cat that he keeps on his back. Um, right. So he's looking through the window. Maybe he's a little enlarged too, right, relative to the size. And when the first person gets injured, he, <laughs> like... He, he reacts with shock and like slides down from the window and it kind of <laughs> becomes, it becomes the player that he's attached to so that whenever they're hurt, he reacts with horror, you know,
2: yeah. <laughs> and
0: his horror is commensurate with the amount of damage they've accrued. Right. So like if you're over a hundred percent, his eyes are bloodshot, right? <laughs> And when you, oh, when you get KO'd, good. when you get KO'd, he's like gripping onto his ankles and rolling on his butt while crying huge tears. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's good. I like that. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. You've, um, <laughs> you've made, I, I'm i sure you have more, but I just got to get in while I thought yeah, yeah. of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want a stage that is on, what's the ship called? The Peapod? Um, the Peapod? That, from, from from dicky Moe. oh yeah yeah oh yeah and, yeah and i want on that stage all the sound effects to be different
0: yes i want yes, them all to be weird like echoing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get knocked off and it's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh that's beautiful yeah. wow this this thing's this uh, fictional game is really coming together yeah hey oh wow did you know that while you were talking just there, a trailer dropped? Huh. Yeah. Now, this is really good podcasting here, having somebody describe a video trailer that doesn't exist. But, but okay. Yeah. Here we go. So, right. Corporal Capeman, Warp, and the Apprentice all duke it out on a heretofore unseen stage. It's a house with weird angles to its walls, door frames. Everything's just a little lopsided. Hmm. All of a sudden. A striped sandworm bursts through the floor and a figure speedily leaps up up away from it. His black shoe clacks down into place and familiar music starts as stripes draw upward his trouser legs and suit jacket. The frame zooms hard to the undead troublemaker's green grin and there's the caption, Beetlejuice finds a little action. (laughs) And then (laughs) then he exclaims, It's showtime! So, Beetlejuice's taunt is a mad cackle. And then we see what follows is a montage of his techniques, which largely focus on him disappearing and reappearing in other shapes. Some objects, all of them absurd. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Midway through his attack showcase, we see his alternate costume, Betty Juice. (laughs) (laughs) So next are a series of flavorful shots. BJ picks up a party in a can item and unleashes a bunch of monsters. And then a little staging makes him appear to be the image in a mirror and little Audrey opposite him laughs at his antics. Yeah. Yeah. You see, cause they'll, they'll work with what they have to represent stuff from their lore. Right. Um, so uh, against the background of his stage at the point, the sandworms have wrecked his roadhouse Junior from Little Shop of Horrors, or Little Shop the cartoon, that is, snaps his jaws upward and looks much as a sandworm, but BJ uses his second jump to evade the bite. Next, we see Ludo's spider followed by the tap-dancing spider from the Beetlejuice cartoon. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And, um, oh, you know, I was thinking also that uh, the stage reconstitutes from the sandworms breaking it apart. By the uh, TV salesperson being up, uh, coming up in the background, and selling the Roadhouse, and then eventually he zooms out and is the television in the Roadhouse, and the thing you know you're back in there. Um, anyway, yeah. So finally, Beetlejuice screams and creates a stampede of Beatles running over the screen and buffeting his opponents off stage. It's like it's a two dimensional screen, but they're still hitting everyone. <laughs> and while the announcement says the winner is Beetlejuice. BJ's head spins out of control until he stops it with his hands and smiles devilishly to the camera. (laughs) Can you believe that Beetlejuice made it into animation celery slammers? That's crazy. What a get. (laughs) Yeah. If this is
1: what they're bringing to the table, I'm going to buy that expansion pass immediately.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, and and also, um, um, the, uh, uh, DC's multiverse, multiverses, I should say, uh, game apparently <laughs> is coming out about now. Yeah. Um, there was, uh, I want to look this up just to make sure that I credit him correctly. Um, there was a, uh, article writer that was complaining. There it is. Um, so on Kotaku is Zach Zwiezen. Wrote an article about how upset he is about the Iron Giant being in this game. Hmm. Because just in general, and I agree with this, this writer that that too much of our culture now. I I have never liked multiverses because they include everything. Even the, you know, like the, the SD Gundam would exist in a Gundam universe, right? Just yeah. silly stuff like that. So um in this case, that the Iron Giant is just their go-to. Uh, cultural touchstone, whether it's Space Jam or Ready Player One or this, (laughs) but additionally (laughs) offensive in that the Iron Giant as a character and a movie is all about him learning not to be a gun. (laughs) And in multiverses, (laughs) he's back to beat people up. So, yeah. Mm, Yeah. Kind of crummy. But, anyway. Anyway. Wow, did I get sidetracked here. So that's, that's all I have for, for this week. I'll, I'll have some, I'm going to look into some uh, movies from Light Chaser, the studio that brought, uh, <laughs> brought us White Snake and White Snake 2, Green Snake. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, but uh, that'll have to wait for next week. But for this week, I think it's about time we talked about The Radical Squadron. Yeah,
1: SWAT cats, the radical squadron. Oh, Boy. Um. All right. Well. So the way we usually, yeah, the way we usually do this is we're gonna alternate episodes, but we're gonna start by giving you an overview of what the heck the show is, because the first episode doesn't really do
0: it. The third episode does a much better job of setting up what the show is actually. No, but that's good. Um, Just get you into the action and, you know, you catch up. So, yeah. Now, around the time of Batman the Animated Series, another cartoon took up the mantle of animated action and toy-driven funds. Hmm. It's in an era long since beyond Transformers and He-Man. Now, this story, we have a world populated with humanoid felines, but otherwise, it's much as our own, plus cat puns. Yeah. Yeah. Our heroes are Chance... T-Bone Furlong, an ace pilot, and Jake Razor Clausen, a tech and weapons specialist. Both are former members of the paramilitary police force, the enforcers of Megacat City. This branch of law enforcement has its own fighter planes. Anyway, unfairly sentenced to maintaining a scrapyard, the two resolved to use those scrap parts to make their own headquarters and an advanced jet, the Turbo Cat. Further, they adopted secret vigilante identities as the SWAT Cats. They're all that can stop the supernatural and supervillainous threats to Megacat City. The stiff, hard-headed leader of the Enforcers, Commander Farrell, isn't up to the task, and neither is the ineffectual Mayor Manx. Deputy Mayor Callie Briggs is aware of this, and when trouble arises she uses her secret communicator to summon the SWAT cats. The series was created by Christian and Yvonne Trombley, and incredibly, every episode was directed by Robert Alvarez. It ran for two seasons, starting in 1993, and was cancelled despite a cult following. The Tromblays, the show's creators, have for years campaigned for a return of T-Bone and Razor to cartoons. And it seemed like a pie-in-the-sky notion, but maybe, just maybe, our review of this series now is prescient. You see, their crowdfunding has gained $150,000, and though that's not really that much in the scope of animated shows, uh, this endeavor has nevertheless announced a partnership with an Indian studio called Toons Media. That's with a Z, Toons Media. Mm. Whether or not it takes the next step, at the very least, they have regular updates and promotions. So it's alive, at least to that extent. Hmm. Interesting, eh? It's more than most cartoons that are cancelled yet. Yeah. So anyway, um, as you say, more setup than you would have gotten watching the first episode. And why don't you take us into it? All right.
1: The first episode is titled... Uh, The Past Master always rings twice, which, you know, jumping right in here and it jumps right in to some grave diggers, I guess. There's a there's a historical grave site, uh, which is off limits. But these two guys are digging in the hopes that they can find something valuable. And hey, what do you know? As our episode starts, they actually do find some weird stone chest they hope that there's treasure inside, but inside they just find this weird little orange guy in a purple cloak. It was Dio. Do- oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, go on. Sir. He does. He, <laughs> he does have a valuable-looking watch, and but when they try to take it, this thing comes to life. <laughs> he announces that he is the past master, and he has been slumbering for eight hundred years, and now. He needs his book of spells. He really needs his spell book. He needs his book. His tome is what he needs, and he needs his book. Yeah. He goes to look for where it was, but it's not there anymore. But these two grave robbers still want their prize. What they get instead is animated skeletons. Uh, apparently, this past master has the ability to bring skeletons to life. The, the skeletons in question harass the dudes and manage to get rid of them. But uh, then (laughs) the past master just gets them to start digging because he needs his
0: book. Don't you know, he really Mm. needs his spell book. He needs his tome. Where is his book of spells? You know, though, he's apparently got um, animate dead as one of his signature spells because he doesn't need his book for that.
1: Mm, mm, Hmm. We'll talk more about this past master as we go. Yeah. Um, anyway, the enforcers show up and, you know, in their helicopter and explain that these skeletons are under arrest because the, it's a historical
0: site or whatever. The <laughs> what, did, what did you say? <laughs> you have the right, right to remain buried or something like that. Yeah,
1: something stupid like Be,
0: that. Th- these unnamed, uh, cops are pretty cool, actually. <laughs> They're all right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, the pastmaster watches as they dispatch the skeletons and take the chest. They're going to take it back to the museum because it looks like it's a valuable relic. And the past master thinks, hey, if there's a museum, maybe my book is there. That might be where my book is. I'll find my book, my book of spells, my tome. He will not shut up about this book. Everything he says in the first half of this episode is about his book.
0: Well, he also likes to opine a lot about how great the Dark Ages were.
1: Yeah, I... Mm, boy, <laughs> this, th- There was so much about this first episode that just made me mm, get up and walk around for a while. Walk it off. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so the helicopter takes the chest over to the museum while the Passmaster hitches a ride. Meanwhile, the SWAT cats are practicing on a centrifuge, seeing which one of them can last the longest at the highest uh, G-forces without passing
0: out. Turns out they, it's T-Bone. Hmm. They, they might want to have, like, had a medic around or something, right? Just yeah, in this, case seems both like a really, this seems like a really dangerous game. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Well, whatever. They're... They're cool right. dudes. I they take it to the limits. Speaking <laughs> of which, the, the actual limit I looked That's up, right. uh, a human being has survived. This is John Stapp in the Air Force. He survived a couple of seconds at 46 G's. But I, th- I think most of the time that just Ooh. kills you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, while they're doing this, this, this scene is pretty much there to
1: remind you that, yes, SWAT cats are actually in this episode. Mm. Don't worry, we'll get to them. But first, we got to go back to the museum. And here, we have. Mm, I I really thought that this character was a news reporter ah. at first, and I was I was getting ready to say that this was default boys cartoon, default character number thirty seven, blonde sexy news reporter voiced by Tress McNeil.
0: You know what? I've seen artwork that pairs her with April O'Neill. Yeah, like it like it was a thing. Nah, no, that's not her at all. Anyway,
1: no. Uh, No, no, this is Callie Briggs, who is the deputy mayor, and she is talking to another sexy lady, Dr. Sinian, not Simeon, Sinian. Anyway, they're looking at this chest and what a magnificent find it is. They sort of (laughs) Dr. Sinian kind of she opines on what might have been kept in a chest like this, and she figures jewels. But I think we know from experience that chests like this usually have like. A, a mummy's organs or religiously significant doodads. There's rarely anything of monetary value in them. Historical value, maybe, but there's rarely anything of actual
0: value well, you know, inside. Once in a while, a rare item. You just It's a volume game. You got to open up all them chests. Yeah,
1: you do. Yeah. So while they're talking about this, the museum is closed, by the way. And while they're talking about this... Hey, guess what the past Master is doing? He's looking for his book, his tome, his spell book, his book. He needs his book. Where's the spell book book? <laughs> uh, he when he's harangued by a security guard, he brings a stuffed. <laughs> this this is wild to me now that I'm just thinking mm. about this now. It's a, a Smilodon, a saber tooth tiger but I'm thinking this wouldn't be an actual saber-toothed tiger body. This would be a reconstruction. Right, right. They, they Like an, an yeah, artificial are Right, when one. they
0: taxidermy, they have to rebuild it, right?
1: Well, it's not Muscle, like there's a,
0: you know, a, a smilodon corpse that they can just stuff. Like they have to oh, be, right, like, right.
1: you know, use their use their knowledge of the bones and fossils and be like, this is what we
0: think it would look like if there really was one. Well, I guess but it's good enough. Any- it's it's good enough for the spell, I guess. Yeah, the Pastmaster can
1: animate this saber toothed tiger, which uh, dispatches the security guard and then starts chasing around the two ladies. Meanwhile, the Pastmaster is still looking all over the place for his precious, precious book. Uh, while he is looking through Callie's purse, I don't know why he thinks his book would be there. He tosses out the communicator that Cassie, Cassie, Cali, what's her name? Cali, Cali. It's short for Calico, right? Um, Which she's not. He tosses,
0: unless there's some spots underneath her dress. Ooh, anyway.
1: Uh, Anyway, yeah. He tosses away her communicator, which activates it and T-Bar, T-Bar, T-Bone. Oh my God, you really did walk away from this cartoon a bunch. (laughs) Well, the thing is, there was a wrestler briefly named T-Bar. Oh, OK. It was a stupid name. Um, So T-Bone. Yeah, he uh, he is fortunately not unconscious from going at however many G's they were going. And he's able to answer the phone. But of course, there is no answer because Callie didn't actually use the communicator. <laughs> he's he's worried and he wakes up uh, the passed out razor So the two of them can get in their jet and trace the signal to the museum. This is just basically an excuse to have an awesome, awesome sequence of, you know, a jet taken off. Mm -hmm. So the ladies are running from the um, uh, saber tooth tiger and they uh, they run up to the roof just as the jet lands. They get knocked off by the saber tooth tiger. (laughs) Commercial break. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, you gotta love that.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh the SWAT cats use well, one of them rescues T-bar. T Bar. <laughs> t Bone <Yeah. laughs> T Bone rescues the ladies while Razor uses a cement gun to freeze the uh the the, the, the tiger. Yeah. And then the police show up. Hmm. It it kind of amazes me that the police took so long to get there, but
0: I don't know. I guess a jet is faster than a car. Hmm. Although the police have jets. Oh, well. Well, yeah, true. On the other hand, uh, the SWAT cat's turbo cat can vertically land and take off. Whereas I guess the enforcers jets are more conventional jets and would need to like, you know, they need to like chase everyone out of a street so they could land and they'd have to land from some yeah. distance away. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway,
1: um, during all this commotion, the past master finds his book so he can shut up about it. And now he can start talking about the Dark Ages. <laughs> um, he walks out of the museum with his book and uses it. I guess I don't know how this book works exactly, but he finds a picture of a dinosaur Hmm. and casts a spell that opens a portal in the sky that summons it. Dr. Sinian says it's a Megasaurus Rex. Hmm. I think there was a dinosaur called Megasaurus, but it was not Rex. Hmm.
0: Okay. You know what kind of dinosaur this is.
1: Big bitey thing. It's a big... It's a It's a Godzilla. Yeah. It is very much a Godzilla, because that's kind of what it's here for. It's here for all the weapons that are fired at it to be ineffective. Hmm. Various missiles that the SWAT cats shoot and whatnot. Uh, In fact, those missiles prove their undoing because when the dinosaur swats the missiles with his tail, the shrapnel hits the fuel line of the turbo cat and sends it careening into the time hole, which (laughs) actually I like the fearful expression on Callie's face when this
0: happens. Mm. Like, She's very expressive. Yeah, I kind of like her almost. Oh, you and everyone else, I think. I guess. Anyway, the SWAT
1: cats uh, show up in dinosaur times now, so <laughs> that's what the last third of this episode is going to be. So yeah, so they're in dinosaur times now, but they have no fuel because the fuel line got cut, and they crash land. Um, but then they are harassed by some dinosaurs, which are probably herbivores. They look like sauropods, but you know,
0: much like Fonzie and the girls, they were afraid. Also, so they they could sure mm- use Fonzie and his dog Cool. They could uh, put a time machine right into this jet.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> True. Um. Anyhow, they eject from their uh, <laughs> jet and fly away in their ejector seats. Back in real time, uh, the dinosaur is still proving... Oh, the dinosaur, by the way, has made friends with the Passmaster. Apparently, the spell that he cast gives him the ability to control the dinosaur. His plan here is to find the tallest clock tower in the city and cast the spell that will return the city to the Dark Ages.
0: And there's so much wrong with this. Well, he says that he used to have the tallest clock tower in the Dark Ages. That doesn't sound right to me.
1: (laughs) He, he, yes. Okay. Okay. We'll talk about it now. Yeah. He says these from 800 years ago. So let's assume that this is roughly analog to the modern day. Which would be like 1995. So So he's talking 1195. Right. I don't think clocks were
0: invented. He's got. In 1195. forget that. He's got a pocket watch, like a brass pocket watch is his. uh, Yes. Yeah. Well, you know. Oh, Exactly. He's like Merlin, I guess. He's way ahead of his time, right? Well, that's the other
1: thing. I was thinking about this, and this kind of made me mad, Mm. but it also kind of made me laugh. I've mentioned... Do you remember I was talking about South Park post-COVID? Yeah. And I said that one of the things about it that I liked, a little gag that I liked, was that they always mentioned that it was the future. Right. Like... Things would go wrong. It's like you know, it's the future, so we only pay with Bitcoin now. Um, and there's a little song in there about how they they don't like that it's the future and they wish it would could still be the present, but it's not the present anymore. It's the future. Yeah. I I like when characters make reference to the time it is refer- um, relative to the viewer and not to
0: themselves. <laughs> Young Homer. I think that's yeah funny. yeah
1: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, and. So I was thinking about that with this. What kind of a villain, the past master? And he's 800 years in the future. And now he's like, wants to turn it to the past. But he's also unfazed by how the world has changed since. Not curious. Yeah. He's, it's, it's strange. Now, I came up with an explanation later, which I will go into later. Yeah. But it's, I just thought it was... Hilarious. Like, what could if you were if if me now decided I am going to be the past master and I am I am an immortal being and I'm I know that from now on, the year 2022 is going to be the past. And so I'm just going to live for another 800 years and my whole deal
0: is going to be trying to make everything like it was in 2022. yeah. You know, I figured it out as you talk here. He's a hipster. He can never appreciate anything in its own time. Like, he saw this helicopters, and he's like, whatever, right? In fact, when he was in the Dark Ages, he probably hated the Dark Ages. He probably was like, it's no uh, it's no Cretaceous, right? But now that it's 800 years in the future, he's got an appreciation for the, for the Dark Ages.
1: I guess, yeah. Also, they didn't call it the Dark Ages at the time. Nobody knows what age they're in until recent. Well, well, nobody until recently, nobody thinks that their world is going to get like nobody knew in 1195. Oh, I can't wait until they invent cars and light bulbs in the internet. Things are going to be so much better then. like now we have so much speculative fiction. You know, we have, we have Star Trek and we're like, Oh man, maybe one day they'll actually make teleporters. (laughs) and, Maybe one day we will be able to get to far flung stars in a matter of hours. So we kind of have this expectation of what's to come. But at the same time, you never know what's to like. Nobody knew that, you know, in the year 2000, nobody knew what
0: a phone would be like in 2020. Maybe. Right. Maybe there were minstrels that were like making songs about (laughs) this wondrous weapon called the crossbow. And then, ner- um, like, minstrel nerds made, they, they actually engineered it based upon the, uh, the lore, just like uh, Automatic mm. Doors in Star Trek. So they just, they just had a, a shorter sort of um, <laughs> turnover from fiction to reality, right? Somebody, mm. somebody crooned about a, uh, a water wheel and then, you know, a nerd, a medieval nerd made one.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, SWAT cats. Yeah, SWAT cats. So, um the dinosaur that the po- the po- postmaster is riding. <laughs> the postmaster, uh, yes. Yeah, he who rings twice, don't you know? Yeah. Um he walks into the tar pits. Whoops. Like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. And so the pastmaster just uses his book to summon different dinosaurs, flying ones. Yeah. And they carry him to the top of the tallest clock tower in the city, which turns out to be City Hall, where the useless mayor is practicing his golf swing. Hmm. Um, back in dinosaur times, the <laughs> the two SWAT cats are still flying in their ejector seats, <laughs> and they're <laughs> they're being harassed by pterodactyls or something. Yeah. And their plan to escape is to fly into an, a volcano, which T-Bone—I got it right that time— yeah. T-Bone calls an active volcano. I don't know how he would tell that, but whatever. Smell. Anyway, it's one of those those cartoon volcanoes where it just has a pool of lava inside. Yep. And they fly in and put on their oxygen masks and rather morbidly, the toxic fumes of the volcano overcome the pterodactyls and cause them to fall into the lava. Yep. I don't know that I have seen animals die die like this
0: in cartoons. Oh, I have some surprises for you in the future then.
1: Okay. Oh, okay, great. All right. <laughs> um. So yeah, they escaped from these pterodactyls, but unfortunately it used up all the rest of their fuel to do
0: it. All of their so uh, have to... ejector seat fuel.
1: Yeah. So now they're stuck. Back in the modern day... Uh, the what's his name? Feral. Feral wants to blow away the past master, but the mayor doesn't want his clock tower damaged. Hmm. But it's oh, also, there's a time limit here. It's like, uh, was it midnight or noon? Twelve o'clock. whatever. Sure. Um, at that time, despite time not being measured like that in the Dark Ages, he's going to cast his spell and turn everything into the Dark Ages.
0: So maybe, maybe the past master is actually from the future. Everything of that. Eh? Well,
1: I, I, I have a theory about that. I will
0: get to it. Back in dinosaur times,
1: uh, T-Bone uses his bazooka to smash a hole in the volcano and they harness the volcanic gases and, uh, fill up their turbo cat that way. Back in the, uh, modern day. The Pastmaster is getting ready to getting ready to cast his spell. Now, Callie has been authorized by the mayor to offer the Pastmaster whatever he wants to lay off. But the Pastmaster just wants things to return to the Dark Ages, and he is well on his way. He doesn't have to worry about this. He's just, screw you, I'm just going to do my thing. It'll be fine. The girls, uh, Dr. Sinian is still here, by the way. Mm. The girls try to stop him, but they fight him off. And now it all looks hopeless because the SWAT cats aren't around. But the SWAT cats are still in dinosaur times and their trick works. They actually managed to fly the turbo cat back through the time portal and back to Mega Cat City. There's a storm effect here, which will be important later. The past Master is still using his dinosaur minions to chase away all the helicopters that the Air Force guys are flying around in. And this is another thing, like, all the 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 helicopters, like, crash and crash into each other and stuff. Mm. And
0: you don't really see any parachutes flying away. Whenever that happens, so I, worry, I imagine that they blew up, that all those people in I, there died. I worry about those pilots, yeah. I'm all for it, though. I, I would always do that when G.I. Joe, if they drew the wrong number of parachuting escapees, Mm -hmm. I would think, ah, that cobra guy just burned up.
1: Was it you who was complaining about the English dub of Dragon Ball where something would blow up and somebody would say, oh,
0: I can see their parachutes? Oh, sure. Me and everyone. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Anyway, the SWAT cats show up and they have much better luck fighting off the dinosaurs. SARS. Yep. (laughs) Um, Although... One of their cool tricks to fly in such strong G's that it made the pterodactyls pass out, actually causes T-bone to pass out. So that whole beginning sequence has a payoff. Mm. Uh, Razor has to wake him up, <laughs> and the two of them are ra- the clock tower clock. By the way, boy, it changes a lot. Yeah, like it's five minutes to, it's one minute to. They fire a missile at the clock to stop it. Like that's gonna stop the flow of time. Um, But in trying to get rid of this missile, the past master actually gets smashed. He flies into the time hole. His book, his precious book, his spell book, his tome flies into the Turbo Cat's engine and gets shredded. So it is no longer a problem and the day is saved. And here's my theory. Okay. The past master got sent back to dinosaur times and because he's immortal... He's spent the next millions of years preparing for this moment again. He's just stuck in this time loop. Huh. That's why he knows. That's why he's not phased. That's why he, you know, he has a specific time that he wants things to get back to. That's why he seems so. And that's why he's the past master because he's (laughs) been to the future and he doesn't like it. He's just in this eternal cycle of living for millions and millions of years until the year 1995, trying to conquer the world, getting hit into a hole
0: and back into dinosaur times and has to start all over again. Poor guy. And sometimes he's in this, he coexists with his living self. I assume at some time he had like flesh on his bones. Um. Right? Like he died at some point. I don't know. He's got, you can see his arm bones and it's subjective because he's orange, right? Like I think his face is emaciated. Like, you can mm. see his jaw in a way that you wouldn't normally be able to see, I think.
1: It, it's it's kind of like a skull, except he has one eye constantly closed and it's like a little bit fleshy. Mm. I don't know. Uh, anyway, I spent almost a full half hour on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you, <laughs> you explained um let's let's go let's go to the next episode <laughs> before we take up even more of our listeners precious precious time Oh, well, i
0: think that's the point isn't it <laughs> is to keep them from well, our, yeah that's true from yeah. <laughs> being responsible okay so um next episode we have the wrath of dark cat so the scary jet of the villain dark cat crosses mega cat city he melts a bridge in half on his way to his, des- his des- destination because he's evil i guess the security guards at a nuclear facility Gamely try to defend it with their pistols, but the jet melts their booth. The jet lands and projects Dark Cat's image to warn against interference. He's a scary guy. He kind of looks like a demon. So more guards drive up, but the landed ship destroys the jeeps. And then DK's impish servitors enter the building to collect radioactive fuel rods. I give small banana slammer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, I give small kudos to the creepling design; these little imps for having Mm. winged arms rather than arms plus wings. It's just a little thing for me that I always find it weird Mm. when things have six limbs—you know, arms, legs, and two wings on the back. Anyway, yes. Although that said, it'd be more plausible for them flying while carrying their big case. But anyway, um. Oh yeah, their animation is ridiculous. (laughs) Where they have like, it's picture
1: like. Picture somebody pretending to fly, like, flapping their arms really, like, not stiffly, but, like, in waving motions. Right. And that's what these things are doing, but only one arm, because the other one's holding this metal
0: case. Right. You know, in general, this is the episode that does not look great. The The other three episodes we're reviewing are really well animated. This one, not so great. But, you know, that can be expected, right? Mm. Big run. Some of them are not going to be as good looking. Anyway, uh, Lieutenant Steele, an ambitious enforcer without a pun in his name, stops Callie Briggs from entering the scene, but Commander Farrell vouches for her. She implores them not to get into a firefight next to the nuclear reactor, but Farrell is full of confidence. Anyway, the firepower of the enforcers isn't enough to overcome Dark Cat's force field. And the power gap grows more apparent when the bad guy, uh, his jet just blows away the Enforcer's three best pilots out of the air. Callie excuses herself to call the SWAT cats. Uh, Like in the first one we reviewed, these two macho dorks are in a contest, this time for eating hot peppers. Um, Razor pockets his last hot pepper, but he pretends to eat it while T-Bone is distracted by answering Callie's call. The two launch to take out Dark Cat's parked vehicle, but they're forced to save the downed helicopter of news reporter Ann Gora. (laughs) You didn't know her name was that? Pretty good, uh, right? I didn't get that. Yeah, that's all right. Um, The Turbo Cat is damaged and forced to retreat before they can try out their Scrambler missile against the force field. Anyway, actually doing something halfway successful, Commander Farrell sneaks aboard Dark Cat's craft before it takes off. And he does so in order to broadcast a locator signal. However, having left Lieutenant Steele in command, that uh, unreliable officer dallies on his superior's rescue.
1: But now that you've, now that you have mentioned Farrell doing something right, I have to say, we'll... You know, we're about to see exactly what the problem with Feral is. But if you set aside how he has wronged the SWAT cats. Yeah. He's actually kind of competent. Like he's he has good ideas. Kind of like like in the first episode, he's like, let me blow away this pastmaster, And the mayor's like, no. And he's like, well, (laughs) if you would let me do it, he wouldn't be in this problem. Like he is actually a competent military officer. Well, it's just that he's a jerk and gets thwarted by
0: things beyond his control. yeah said the rest of this episode is going to belie that comment. But, <laughs> but, well, you know, but also I feel for him because the deputy mayor has no confidence in him, right? It's just like mm. she's waiting for him to fail so she can call on her heroes, the SWAT cats. Yeah, that's not good anyway. <laughs> um, so he sneaks aboard. But, you know, having realized that his lieutenant doesn't have his back, he decides to try to take the take over the jet with his um sidearm but he's waylaid by the creeplings those little imp guys uh the force fielded jet passes through a lava waterfall to the secret base now at the scrapyard t-bone and razor repair the plane they relive the event that got them off the enforcers they used to be part of that group uh, they were in hot pursuit of Dark Cat back in the day, but Feral, in another plane, clipped them uh, Went on his own mission to claim the glory and caused them to crash at Enforcer headquarters. And then he had the gall to blame them for the damage. Now, as vigilantes, they bore into Dark Cat's base, where he is assembling a nuclear doomsday missile. That's why you had to get You should. Hmm? Um, oh, account for how just, they 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 now have to work yeah, off they, yeah they they're assigned to work off the damages of their crashed plane by being at the scrapyard but and that's and that's when they realize hey you know we could probably build our own jet out of this stuff yeah so uh and and they're getting their second crack or at least another crack at dark cat so Into the volcano, the two ride on their cyclotron, a motorcycle built for two. I swear, these two must use a toilet built for two. (laughs) (laughs) So the motorcycle falls into a lava trap, but the heroes escape with the grappling hooks of their handy Glovatrix gauntlets, kind of these all-purpose gauntlet weapon uh, utility items. Um... They get to Dark Cat and his creeplings engage them in combat, but the villain escapes with his missile. Steel arrives then to pick up Feral, and the angered commander forces him to ride as his second in an enforcer jet. The SWAT cats make it to uh, Dark Cat's jet, and Razor boards it through the Bombay door and stalls the release of the doomsday bomb eventually it does fall and daringly he falls while on the missile disarming it (laughs) this is pretty cute he opens up the hatch and he tells himself just remember always cut the red wire and then it's revealed that they're all red wires he says dark cat you miserable psycho (laughs) (laughs) so yeah t-bone uses the scrambler missile to overcome the bad guy jet's force field and history repeats itself as Farrell tries to horn in on the kill, but T-Bone doesn't let him this time. And he downs the ship. All is good. He swings by to pick up Razor, who landed safely by parachute after defusing the bomb. And these SWAT Cats episodes, just like when we talked about Botsmaster, how they tended to end really abruptly. They, they yeah. do it here, too. Like, that's the end. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. But they all have a rather uh, rugged pace where it's just action, 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 action. Here's the end. You get very little, like, I don't mind it really, but it is distinct in this show, right? That it is just so packed with the action. You get like a little bit, little bits here and there of uh, uh, T-Bone and Razor being macho boys and competing, but for the most part, character is not a big driver in this show.
1: Not really, no... But so, no, no, go on. Yeah. So this is an interesting, you know, this, this gives you actual background on the SWAT cats. Yeah. Uh, there's a later episode where something occurred to me. Yeah. It's, it isn't really heavily implied in any of the episodes that we watched. But when I looked at Wikipedia, it seems to suggest that. The SWAT cats have secret identities. Right. Farrell like, doesn't know who they are. They're operating in secret. And I'm thinking if he has so much experience talking to his subordinates over the radio in aircraft, mm. why would he not recognize
0: their voices? I guess that's how little he thought of them. Like as soon as he ass- <laughs> as soon as he assigned them to the junkyard, they just went out of Farrell's mind, you know? Yeah. Anyway, that was, that was the one thing that occurred Actually, to at some point. Actually, with, with like, that in mind also, I listened for one episode where Callie refers to them as T-Bone and Razor. But I guess that's who they become, right? That's their super identity. That's like Spider-Man and Batman. Because the, their real names are um, Chance and uh, what's the other guy's name? Jake, I think. Was it? Um, I think so. Well, again, Wikipedia said that yeah. Callie doesn't even know their real identities. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, I guess that's who they are. As as, yes. as superheroes. But if you were to go to their scrapyard and say, like, I'm looking for an engine for an old Taurus, they they would call themselves Chance and Jake. Yeah.
1: And they do. They like I actually had trouble figuring out what these characters names were at first because they refer to each other as Chance and Jake early on. Mm. And then I was like, wait, what are there? It took me a while to sink in. It's like, oh, OK, there's T-Bone and Razor, but also Chance and Jake. Yeah. Got it. Speaking of these guys, uh, how about another episode? Yeah. We fast forward to season two for this one. Zoom. The intro has been redone. It's cool. Uh, the character designs have been redone slightly as well. Mm. There's also a new recurring character who's not in this episode, but she will be in the next one. Okay. Um, This one is called the Deadly Pyramid. And with such a, a provocative name, of course, it starts with the SWAT cats on their cyclotron. Going to the uh, home of the Professor uh, Hackle, Dr. Hackle, who I guess he had previously created something called Metallic Hats, Right. Which were a villain in a previous episode that the SWAT cats thwarted. And anyway, Dr. Hackle wants to thank them. And oh, but before he reveals his thanks, he mentions that there looks like there's a storm coming hmm. nearby at the ruins of... Cachu Picchu, uh, there are archaeologists who are battening down the hatches for the coming storm. Hey, guess what? It's Dr. Sinian again, Yay. although she has a totally different character design. And I swore she was voiced by Tress McNeil, although the credits say that she's not. OK. Anyway, yeah, they are battening down the hatches for this big storm. But then... Oh, no, a hole opens in the sky with lightning and stormy. Remember I said that the time holes in that first episode looked like a storm and that would be important later? Right. Well, it's the guy again. It's the past master. He's back. So maybe my idea of him being in a constant loop isn't accurate because apparently he does have the ability to
0: travel a little bit forward in time. Maybe it's totally convoluted. Like maybe... If you had to draw it up on a chalkboard, they're just lines crossing them in every direction, right? <laughs> it's like Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyway, yeah, the Passmaster's here and he has an ornate headdress. Turns out that this headdress is what controls Cachu Picchu, I guess. And he uses rays from it to raise a great pyramid, the pyramid of Cachu Picchu, from the ground. This is what they were looking for. <laughs> and uh, he just lifts it
0: which hmm. you would think would damage it but eh, whatever he's well anyway he saved them a lot of time pretty useful
1: yeah <laughs> to some extent um it, obviously there's chaos going on everybody goes running meanwhile <laughs> we leave this scene of chaos to go to the present um not the present time but the gift gift giving ceremony where Dr. Hackle presents the SWAT cats with (laughs) a little robot called the Cybertron.
0: I guess Hasbro wasn't uh, on top of this. Yeah. Or maybe they didn't trademark it at the time. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Razor is quite happy to meet this little robot. Although T-Bone gets off on the wrong foot. Literally when one of the Cybertron's tank treads runs over his foot. Now the doctor explains that this robot's going to be super duper helpful, but uh T-Bone has some uh misgivings. Then they get the
0: call. Do they, get the call? I, I they get the call? I don't recall if they got the call, but they know at any point any, well, I think they don't, right? Not until um, not until task Passmaster. Not until Passmaster oh. activates the monsters. I remember they just want to leave. That's right. Yeah, they're, they're
1: T-bone. Well, actually, they Razor is kind of on board. He's like, "This is a pretty cool ro- robot," but T-bone's yeah. like, "Uh, we gotta go." And so they get back on their bike and ride away. They figure, uh, or T-bone figures, y- y- "We're we're gonna go too fast for this dumb robot. Don't bother. Just leave it here." Right. But the doctor's like, "Oh ho. Just watch how fast this robot can go. And he activates the turbo treads and chases after him. Hmm. As they're going, they, is this when they get the call? I don't even remember. Oh, yeah, they do. They, I, I don't even remember if they get this call.
0: <laughs> I was hoping you just skip to new details and just keep asking. Was it now? Was it now when they got the call? <laughs> they, they do get the call
1: at this point that something's going on at the Cachu Picchu site, and, uh, which is nearby. And they look over and they immediately see the time hole in the sky and figure, oh, great. So they this speak. bozo. Yeah. Yeah. So they speed off on their way there, and uh, the Cybertron follows at all speed. Back at the Pyramid, the Pastmaster intends to go inside and claim his prize. But also, there's a photographer in the team of archaeologists. I can't remember his name. It's like Russell or something like that. Mm. Um, and he thinks he's going to be the first guy to get pictures of inside the pyramid of Cachu Picchu.
0: I think his I think... name was Frank Welker. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Um.
1: Anyway, inside the, the past master uses his headdress to open up sarcophaguses or sarcophagi. I'm not sure. And these are giant things and inside are giant mummies.
0: Pretty neat. <laughs> Mummies with laser guns. <laughs> yeah, pretty neat. <laughs> That's why he's so hip on the past. Remember when we had laser guns? Oh, the past was great. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Um,
1: the Past Master is tipped off that they have company when Rusty or whatever his name is decides to take a picture. His camera gets stomped as he runs away. Um, the other um, archaeologists, including Dr. Sim- Sinian are coming to try to rescue him, but they get confronted by these big mummies and they all have to run. Although, you know, Rusty is like the... Rusty or Russell or whatever his name is, Randall. <laughs> he's the he's the kind of cowardly guy who will just take the Jeep for himself and run without... That's uh, right.
0: Without any thought for his uh, compatriots. He would have... If there was another Jeep, he would have lit it on fire.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the other archaeologists are helpless, but then the turbo cat shows up. They, you know, evade. They they try to shoot down the, the mummies. Well, shoot them. I mean, they're tall, so it still counts as shooting down. Yep. But, um, the weapons are pretty much ineffective.
0: Right. You can't, can't critical hit them.
1: Yeah. 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 Although you, you can critical hit the turbo cat. Because yeah. one of the laser, one of the mummy's lasers severs the stabilizer cables. Um, they're out of control, but then get back under control. And T-Bone thinks, ah, I knew the old girl could handle this. But uh, using, oh, by the way, there, these episodes, the villains make copious use of the one ring uh, camera system. Because these guys right. can see everything. And so can the heroes, because there's... Um, Razor gets to see camera footage of the Cybertron inside
0: repairing the damage that was done to the Turbo Cat. Which I guess I guess uh, Mega Cat City is like London, just cameras everywhere. Yeah, yeah. T Bone is kind of impressed. Mm. They they figure their priority is to
1: save the innocent civilians, and so they get Doctor Sinian and her companion, and they pick them up to take them to the museum. The mummies, on the other hand, are marching towards the city. They accost a tour bus. <laughs> and the the past master gets to watch through his one ring watch hmm. um, as the enforcers show up and are pretty handily taken out by these mummies, just throwing the bus at them and shooting them. The mummies are invulnerable. Bullets or shots or lasers or whatever it is just goes right through them. Mm hmm. The, the only thing that kind of slows them down for a minute is the cement gun we saw in that previous episode. Uh, but again, the Turbo Cat and their whatever, their priority is to get the innocents back to the museum. So they let the enforcers handle the mummies or at least try, try to. to. Yeah. yeah. The mummies just kind of get to the city real easily. Uh, Callie and the mayor are watching what's going on, and Callie decides, okay, these enforcers just aren't getting the job done, so I gotta call the SWAT cats. The SWAT cats inform her that they are on their way to the museum, and she says she'll meet them there. But her car is stopped by the mummies, and now, despite having seen her previously, the Passmaster gets a look at Callie, and... Remembers somebody that he used to know, Callista, I think the name was. Yeah. It was the spitting image of her. He wanted her to be her bride, but she was like, no way, even though she was all chained up and everything. And he figures, okay, Callista, now I got another chance to get you. Mm. And so he uh, orders his mummy minions to take <laughs> Callie alive. She eludes them and gets to the museum where the SWAT cats... Oh, the the SWAT cats go to fight the mummies, but they tell the Cybertron to stay and protect the civilians. And it actually turns out that he does a great job sacrificing his body in every way to yeah. stop them from being... Because, see, now the mummies... This is the mummy's target because they want Kali. So, yeah, Cybertron is actually... He's a hero in this. Like, yeah, it's it's rare. You know, there's a lot of cartoons about heroes doing heroic things, but it's rare to see one like sacrifice this much and just show so much dedication. Oh, yeah. Like he will not let these mummies take Cali until he is completely disabled and they take Cali. <laughs> he's, he's he's just destroyed. But but again, yeah. The most heroic hero I've ever seen in a cartoon. <laughs> wow. Okay. Eh, kind of. Anyway, everybody is still in trouble. The SWAT cats, now that they've dropped off their passengers, they get to try to fight off the mummies themselves again. Although, pff, they have minimal luck until they accidentally crack one of their like red eye shield things. And it turns out that that is what disintegrates the mummies. Right. So they spread the word. Oh, also Cybertron gets smashed again. Um, They spread the word to everyone. The eye shields. Hit them in the eye shields and they'll dissolve. I'm going
0: to re- reference Zelda again. Like Link is like, duh.
1: Well, yeah, I actually had that <laughs> thought too. It's like, oh, they're, they're one different colored uh, part of their body. Right. Okay. So anyway, yeah, the... The mayor is sort of evacuated, but then turns back when they get the news about the eye shields and they just start shooting him in the eyes. And hey, it's no problem. Yeah, even a pistol. Even a pistol. Just all you got to do. Well, we'll find out later what the actual reason is, because the SWAT cats have now gone to the um, the the, the pyramid, the deadly pyramid, even, which has a one ring security system in it so that uh, the past master can watch and show Callie, who he thinks is Callista, Um, this is one of those pyramids that's just full of all kinds of traps that the SWAT cats have to evade, like Mm. fire pits and spikes. And there's more mummies. They noteworthy here is that they actually lose their Glovatrix gauntlets. Um, and they do manage to smash the eye shields of the mummies that they're fighting, but it doesn't do anything. It turns out it's the light That is the their actual weakness. The eye shields just protect them from the light. And so (laughs) it's a simple matter of using a flashlight to dissolve them. Meanwhile, the past master summons Cachupichu himself, a giant like demon beast mummy. Neat. The light is ineffective against him. Callie tries to make a deal and say he'll agree to marry the Passmaster if he lets the SWAT cats go, but the Passmaster rightfully points out that Callie has no leverage here. He can do both. During the fight that ensues, the Passmaster's headdress is knocked off, and he himself is (laughs) thrown into a pit of fire that seems to be burning perpetually underneath this pyramid. Now... I think the Pastmaster is immortal, so he'll be fine. Yeah. But the important thing is that Callie and the SWAT cats are also fine. They get out of the ruins. And we now go to Dr. Hackle's place where he is planning to rebuild the Cybertron, but it'll take a long time. Fortunately, he has another prototype, an even bigger one. But uh, (laughs) the SWAT cats just run before this uh, big clumsy robot can follow them. I did notice at some point that the doctor has, like, a maid's outfit and a chauffeur's Hmm. outfit in the background of his place. Right.
0: He likes to roleplay.
1: Yeah, there's a...
0: It it was weird. (laughs) Anyway... (laughs) Okay, I guess I have some. Anyways. thoughts. I think the the mm-hmm. the mummies when they turn to the mummies are cool all over, but including the way they die and they just have like a bunch of goo falls through the bandages. Pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the mummies would actually be more effective blind with a super armored head. Hmm. And one other thing here. So this this episode is called the Deadly Pyramid. Kudos to them for making it an, an Incan period rather than an Egyptian one. Yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah, um, well, but I, they... I think these mummies are more Egyptian. I yes. don't know. I think I was looking at a Peruvian, like a, uh, an Incan mummy, mm-hmm. and it's all just sort of like withered plastered down to the bones sort of look, you know? Yeah. But then again, I think maybe Egyptian mummies are like that too. And maybe our our uh, toilet paper <laughs> uh, walker um, that we m- imagine is more like a movie thing.
1: They do get wrapped in cloth.
0: Yeah, but Um, they, it kind of like melds down to their body, right? Maybe. Um, I think
1: the thing is people have an image of what a mummy is and they are in pyramids, but they had to make an Incan period to make the Machu
0: Picchu pun. Right. The Cachu Picchu. Yeah. Oh, that's the other thing. Okay. So that, that, those ruins are really close to Mega Cat City. Yes. Which made me wonder is Megacat City in Peru? Check that. Is Megacat City in Peru? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's my canon now. That's my head canon now. Yeah, sure. That's cool. Because if it's true, then it'll join Cyber Six as a uh, cartoon based in South America. Hmm, yeah. Um, Not to be confused with the Bionic Six. Right, which is based in California most of the time. Yeah. God, I could go for some bionic bits right now. (laughs) All right, let's... uh, If we hurry up, I can get a bowl. Uh, (laughs) The last episode (laughs) we're going to look at is the dark side of the SWAT cats. I think probably revolves around dressing up as maids and the like too, but no, actually... Okay, so what happens? We start at a stormy night. No Passmaster this time. The SWAT cats are using this weather to test their new dimensional radar scanner. It's 3D mapping is so detailed that they can radio Commander Farrell in his jet and tease him about being unshaven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty accurate. Wow. It um, is. Also, I guess they have like trimmers, right? Because he's still got fur. So I guess it grows out and he wants to keep those whiskers. and, and Oh, he's mm. he's actually got a dapper whisker mustache, too, actually, when I think about yeah, it. So yeah, he, yeah. He takes his grooming uh, serious most of the time, anyway. You know, there's a there's a point in that um, Samurai Rabbit, yeah, where one of the characters
1: uh, is talking about how many more tattoos he can get. Yeah, he's like, look at those, all these tattoos, and they're looking at him. was like, yeah, I know you can't see them because I have fur, but they're here. And he's like uh, pointing out and describing what his tattoos are, despite
0: not being able to see them. Which is yeah, that's all right. I guess it's a neat moment when he shaves down to show off, like, look at that. (laughs) Like, you'd you'd have a party based around that. He's doing a shaving tonight. Um, Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so the SWAT cats give uh, Commander Farrell the old brush by jet to jet, but Karma strikes them with a lightning bolt. Afterward, Farrell shoots at them, seemingly out of character. Even more out of character, SWAT cat sympathizer, enforcer, and Farrell's niece, Felina, attacks them too. The SWAT cats get away and get back to base, but it's different in many ways. There are bad guy missiles and bad guy bad guys. creeplings. you know, those little imp guys. Dark Cat is there too, but he exposits that they're on the same side. Our good guys pretty cleverly play along to learn more about what's going on. And they learn that Dark Cat is working with them on a plan to steal a mega detonator, and use it in a bomb for the cats to blow up the Enforcer headquarters. Man, this dark cat is a one-trick pony. (laughs) (laughs) More confusing to them, there's a wanted poster that shows bounties on the SWAT cat's heads. As the two ostensibly leave to get the Mega Detonator, they correctly theorize that they're in an alternate dimension with evil versions of themselves it must have happened when they got struck by lightning while using their dimensional, um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, dimensional radar. radar. Yeah. Um, And they also theorize that another lightning strike could work again to take them back to their proper dimension. So let's get struck by lightning. But wait a minute, being good guys, they plan first to foil their bad guy selves. Why? I Hmm? assumed
1: that... I mean, I guess it was a dumb assumption to make, but I assumed that the bad guy versions
0: got sent to the good guy Mega Cat City. Yeah, that they swapped? Not so. Not yet, anyway. So, the SWAT cats head to Pumadine's facility to steal the Mega Detonator before the evil versions can do it. And speaking of those two, they arrive at their headquarters and, after an abrasive conversation with Dark Cat, they figure out that there must be imposters. And this is just like in Justice League, Crisis on Two Earths, when they go to an alternate dimension. It's like, it may not be their dimension, but they're good guys, and as such, they're obligated to help, no matter what. I like that. I like that in the SWAT cats. Um, Anyway, the good SWAT cats sneak into Pumadine, pass a security guard, and nimbly cross laser beam alarms. The bad ones punch out the security guard and bicker as they, too, get by the lasers. Good Razor and T-Bone, T-Bone split up to find the Mega... <laughs> t boon That's my name for him. They split up to find the Mega Detonator. Razor finds it, but gets in a fight with the bad T-Bone. In a parallel, bad Razor and good T-Bone scrap. Their brawls intersect, and a little confusion sees the good guys fight each other. Which is kind of cute. Yeah, um, despite the fact that the, the
1: bad guys have green skulls on their helmets. And well
0: sure but they're like wrestling and stuff and he picks them up and they're yelling at each other right so i could see it hmm. what i can't see is how dark cat maybe he's just polite the the bad versions of them talk all gruff you know mm-hmm. and they growl yeah he was too polite to ask why the good guy versions of them weren't doing it i guess maybe he um, just doesn't care maybe he's just so he considers them such insignificant minions that he <laughs> right. doesn't care what they do amongst themselves he's like feral he doesn't th- he doesn't notice yeah, things yeah. because he's <laughs> like yeah. uh yeah, he's insensitive. Anyway, um, so the good and bad SWAT cats exchange some wrist missiles. The bad guys escape with a mega detonator and the enforcers... Oh, oh, oh. What? I just what? remembered, by the way. Yeah. Did you notice one of the things that tipped off the
1: SWAT cats when they got to their lair yeah. was that the um, Glova Tricks had spikes on the knuckles. Right. And like, ours don't have spikes. And... So the bad guy SWAT cats, when they're, um, breaking in and fighting with them, they have spikes on their knuckles, but then the spikes go away just as an animation error or intentional error whenever they have to punch someone.
0: Yeah, uh, maybe even they have their limits. Like they retract the spikes. (laughs) It's like, I don't want to make a mess here, man. By the way, (laughs) uh, um, Unsung Hero is the security guard who wakes back up to hit the alarm. But anyway, yes, um, (laughs) <laughs> There's a lot of good NPCs in this show. Anyway, the uh, uh, the bad guys escape with the Mega Detonator and the Enforcers catch the shell-shocked heroes. Naturally, the Enforcers don't believe the story about alternate dimensions. So while the SWAT cats are the, in the Enforcers' jail, help comes along in the form of this dimension's Callie Briggs. However, this one, she's evil and in on the plot with Dark Cat. Lucky for T-Bone and Razor, she mistakes them for her evil versions and helps them escape. In his jet, Feral pursues the good turbo cat, but the heroes are validated when Felina shows up in pursuit of the villain's turbo cat. But what, two turbo cats? I'm seeing so, double Four <laughs> <yes>. turbo cats. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, amazingly, one of those sinister looking missiles that clued the SWAT cats that they were in the wrong place when they got to their lair. So it's like a a missile with like a sneering goblin head on the front. The the evil turbo cat fires one of them towards Selena's jet. And what it does is just before impact, the head flips up and it squirts oil onto the cockpit hatch, (laughs) blinding her rather than (laughs) just striking it and blowing up, right? (laughs) Anyway, so blinded by the... uh, by the grease, she just about crashes into a blimp, but in a bit of improbable physics, the good swatters set down a grappling hook to catch her and set her jet down onto a skyscraper. Anyway, the bad guys wipe out the other enforcers, and though they're home free to finish the plan and destroy enforcer headquarters, they can't resist going back and fighting the good guy swat cats. They're even less dis- disciplined than the good ones. <laughs> So, they seem to down the ship, but the ship recovers. Their targeting is damaged, however, but there's always the dimensional radar. And hey, it's the cement gun again. Before they're shot down, again, they cement the nuke. The bad Turbo Cat doesn't straight up blow up, but instead appears to jump dimensions. That's Hmm. a story for another day, one guesses. Dark Cat is foiled, Evil Deputy Mayor Briggs is arrested, and the alternate dimension is better for the visit. Anyway, again, the TurboCat survives its damage. It's a very durable ship. It's got a lot of SDC. Calling all Palladium fans? You know what I'm talking about? Anyway. Um, and further, the power surge they experience from the damage makes them dimension hop back to their own dimension. Just in time and in place to, again, strafe the aircraft of their Commander Farrell. <laughs> it's an abrupt end. Yeah. And that's also the point
1: where I made the realization about the radio and voices. Hmm? What? what? Well, this, is, this is where I realized, like, oh, the, ra- the he should recognize their voices
0: over the radio. Oh, right, 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 right. But um, I already talked about that. <laughs> well, you know. Most of these voice actors are doing double duties, So if you sound mm. someone that sounds like Charlie Adler, I mean, that could be anybody in Mega Cat City. Yeah, that's true. And the thing is, it doesn't really sound like a voice that I equate with Charlie Adler. No. And like, you know what? I On previous shows, I have dumped on Charlie Adler because I hate Buster Bunny's voice and I hate yeah. Cow and Chicken. But and, and I hate Roddy Piper in Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. I don't mind him there. But in his stable of voices, he has a lot of voices I really like. Like as the Gravedigger mm-hmm. in the first episode, I like his voices. hmm I guess we can yeah. go on voices. Since we've gone down this route, we can talk about voices. Barry Gordon is Razor and Donatello in Turtles 89. Hmm. Um, of course he is, right? Um, so Gary Owens is Commander Farrell. Yeah. He, he was also Space Ghost, Powdered Toastman. And the narrator of Super Friends cartoons. You know the one. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That voice is so distinct. It's actually
0: kind of weird hearing it come from a straight character. Right. <laughs> um, Tress McNeil is Callie Briggs, as we mentioned. And yep. she's Babs Bunny and Gadget Hackwrench. And oh my God, she's the voice behind all of our furry libidos. She's every female character in every cartoon ever. Yeah. But Except Spe- Dr. Sinian. Well, Doctor Sinian is Linda Gary. You know Linda Gary, Tila, In the original <laughs> original Masters of the Universe, Tila. Pretty neat. Yeah. Um, Keen Curtis is the past master. Not a lot of voice actor roles for him. He's also Balthazar in the Smurfs, mm. but he's in a lot of live action. And personally, I know him best as the snooty owner of Melville's, the restaurant above Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah brock peters is dark cat and the villain bloth in pirates of dark water i've not really watched pirates of dark water but i guess that's his most prominent voice actor role aside from this mm. you know people will recognize brock Pe- they'll, they'll recognize his voice anyway he's been in multiple star trek things he's uh, cisco's father in deep space nine mm. very very recognizable voice um yeah okay so this show broadly Mm-hmm. Um, the episodes, these ones, surprisingly are light on character development. I would have thought that top episodes would have special episodes to T-Bone or Razor or or even Callie. And each story is really action-packed. Yes. So I guess these episodes are tops because, like, it's the first one with uh, the dark cats from the other dimension. Or it's the first one with uh dark cat (laughs) the dark cat (laughs) their principal villain who i think is a little bit like dr doom because most of his stuff is about i'm gonna make a nuclear missile but he's also like hinted at being demonic because he he looks like a demon and he's got little demon guys i think i think he's a little bit like dr doom and that he dabbles in everything and -hmm. also i gotta say you get to see his his hand highlight a bunch because he's like controlling a flight stick He's got two bejeweled rings. I mean, he's a fancy yes. lad. Yeah, he is. He's got a walking stick with a
1: top on it too. Yeah. Um, yeah. My experience with this was, well, the first thing was I didn't realize Hanna-Barbera made this because it really doesn't look like anything Hanna-Barbera oh. has made before or since.
0: Yeah, actually, I've, I have that down in my terms of why didn't I give a show, this show a chance. I barely watched it back in the day. I don't know if I've watched a full episode. And one of the reasons, um, you know, the movie Moneyball. Yes. It's it's about like advanced sports, sports statistics. And uh, one of their things, and they're talking about like teams pass up on these players for stupid reasons, right? Like he doesn't have a baseball body. Like he may hit over 300, but he just doesn't have the right kind of body for this. I think I was the same way with the show where I'd be like, Hanna-Barbera, this is going to stink. I'm not going to give this a <laughs> chance. Yeah. And I also have another weird thing that's for me, I guess, is something I'm going to call main character dysmorphia. <laughs> so there's instances where shows have um, character designs that have like a theme to them, right? They have traits that are are true to the the main roster of characters. But then when you get uh... to secondary characters... It's clearly just become the default of whatever the character designer is comfortable doing, right? Like, Rescue Rangers has this, where the main group of characters is all very round, but whenever they meet a new mouse, it's really, like, lean and tall. Yeah. It looks, it looks weird to me. And this show totally has that. Like, T-Bone and Razor look like they might be friends of Jazz Jackrabbit. They don't yeah, they, look like they, they, they belong. They with like them. Like
1: they look like anthropomorphic cats. Right. Whereas most of the other characters look like they came from rock and roll. Yes. Or, yeah, they, they you know, they look like humans with furry skin and little tiny, you know, button noses and right. ears popping up well, the tops of
0: their ha- hair. Especially the sexy ladies. And I know there's, as a furry artist who kind of does this too, or totally does this too, it's a little, uh, uh, hypocritical of me to call out this, right? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Maybe it's maybe um Callie's shoes are extra uncomfortable. Like when she <laughs> takes them off, her foot just explodes into this cat pop <laughs> 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 That's a good image. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, thank God I'm home. And actually that's the other thing about the dysmorphia of these characters, is that uh our heroes don't wear shoes. Mm. Everyone else wears a normal shoe. In fact, when they were in the Enforcers, they wore shoes. So maybe it's just like part of their bohemian superhero kind of idea, you know, like, hey, we don't got to wear shoes if we're not in the Enforcers, you know. Or
1: or maybe it's one of their little bets, like
0: first yeah. one to step on a
1: screw and cry
0: loses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's going to be revealed in the last episode, I guess. Um <laughs> Yeah, a uh, dark cat doesn't wear shoes either. He's part of that mm-hmm. crew, but but yeah. yeah, this now I don't mind. I mean, like I can see why people are hot for these fe- uh, the female characters on the show. They're cute. Mm-hmm. I think everybody's hot for um uh for Callie, but mm-hmm. people are sleeping on Doctor Sinian. So yeah, says I. It. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, for this one, that first episode was really hard
0: for me to sit through, which is I actually funny. I had to. The animation is top notch. Well, it's a degree below top notch. Like it's, they paid the money for that first episode. I think it was,
1: it was my first experience with the show. Right. And I think the poochiness of it was just so obnoxious that I had a hard time sitting through it. Hmm. But I had no problem sitting through the other three episodes. Hmm. I guess, you know, obviously they're the top three episodes on episode ninja. So they are probably really good. Yeah. And it was all right. It was an okay time. You know, like I don't, I don't think as little of this show as I thought I was going to after that first episode. Oh, okay. Thought, oh, this is, this is going to be just cool guys
0: doing cool things, to squealing guitars and flying <laughs> jets. And you know, and, one thing that surprised me is the villains. I didn't expect as much supernatural stuff and crossing dimensions well, or whatever. That's the other thing that kind of like, uh, looking from the outside, I thought, "Oh, what are these guys going to launch missiles at stuff? And is that going to be interesting episode after episode?" Well, they 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 do some other stuff.
1: Yeah. Also interesting. There's a third recurring villain named Doctor Viper, mm. but just the way that it turned out, totally randomly, I like, got two episodes with the Past Master. You got two episodes with Dark Cat, and that's yeah, kind neat. of it. Yeah. 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 Um, so I don't know. Maybe there's other episodes that are worse. <laughs> probably not better but um
0: yeah this is this show is okay it's you know what, you know what reminds me of is mighty max a little bit
1: yeah and then, sure no yeah i can
0: see that it's adventure and supernatural stuff the color palette is similar it's mm-hmm. it's pretty violent truthfully for it is yeah. yes and also like this is before cartoon network so it didn't it lived in syndication. It was just like at the mercy of whenever your local station wanted to put it on pretty much. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, kind of pretty basic action cartoon in the mid nineties, I would say.
0: Sure. Yeah. Nice animation though. So there's that at least. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we've gone for a long time.
1: Oh yeah. So we should probably get onto what's happening next week. Um, you had a great idea. It seems like an obvious idea, but it mm. came out of nowhere for me. And I was like, oh, I can get on board with this. We did an episode previously where it was our favorite episodes where yep. I did an episode of The Tick. That was my favorite. And you gave me a a fusion, if you will, of two yep. episodes of Steven Universe, which made me watch all of
0: Steven Universe. And <laughs> I don't think it'll work this way this time.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, because we're going the opposite route where we've decided that we are going to do... The episode from a series that we hate. Yeah. And it took me a second to I, to scroll through some cartoon names and think of one. But once I saw it, I knew what it had to be. Oh, boy. The episode that I always think, oh, that one. Okay. It's not a good show, <laughs> by and large. It's Captain N, the Game Master.
0: Oh, okay, cool.
1: And <laughs> You want me to pick out the worst one? Oh, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. The one that I always just makes me grit my teeth. Mega Trouble for Mega Land. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it would be this one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, I've made no secret about how special (laughs) and important Mega Man is to me. So having this thing just poop all over it,
0: yeah. Okay. Okay. I can meet you here. Okay, so (laughs) for you. I have an episode of Tiny Toon Adventures. Oh, I, you know, that crossed my mind briefly, but I was like, how do you, cho- like, how can I? How can you choose the so worst many. one? Well, well okay, it's, how do you, there's the so most many hated of them. One. The most hated okay. one for me right. is Whale's Tales. Okay. It's not I as, think, it's not as sexy an episode as that title would make you think. I think I might know what this is. Right. Well, you'll confirm it by the time we get to next week. Okay. Okay. So,
1: (laughs) all right. Okay. So, yeah, get ready for that. Episodes that suck next week. Hmm. In the meantime, let us know that this episode doesn't suck. And think about tell us what you think we should talk about. Tell us what you think of Callie. Tell us Hmm. what episodes of cartoons you hate. Actually, if you have better episodes of SWAT Cats, let us know about that, because I think we did the best ones, as far as I
0: can tell. Contact me at AC Matzy on Twitter. And you can contact moi at DrabSwatch. So on a final note, do all of you listeners want to grow up to be as buff as Matzy? <laughs> well, I got a hold of his secret training method. First, make a bowl of 1983 Smurfberry Crunch but instead of milk, use Slimer Ecto Cooler. Eat it in under a minute, and then immediately do 12 brisk jumping jacks. Then most importantly, between violent heaving, force out the celery stalker's slogan. It's desperate and it's stupid, but I've run out of options.